Hey, Disney family, it's Jessica from Well Hello, Disney. So today we're going to be talking about conflict, conflict resolution, and just all of the feelings that the park brings up when you're exhausted. Today I'm going to try my best grandmother, Willow, on everyone, bestow some information, maybe some tips that will help reduce your stress while you're at the parks because when you are on an adventure that lasts numerous days with multiple people, you are bound to have a tantrum or two, including for adults. So let's jump into it and see if I can help resolve some of that conflict before it happens. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go down the list of different things or different reasons why conflict is going to happen at the park. These are based on my personal experiences, things that we witnessed. I remember when we were going to the parks once a year, once every other year, and there would be conflicts that came up because we either were ill-prepared, we weren't on the same page, or we didn't discuss things thoroughly enough so that we, when we got to the park, we knew what our expectations were as adults. So the first thing I'm going to go through is not having a well-planned day. Now, you know, I am not about having every detail planned. It's not possible with Disney because you need to be flexible, but you definitely need a general idea of where you're going to be and kind of a plan B and a plan C too. And all the adults need to kind of be made aware of that. If there's like a theme of the day, or if we're going to spend most of the time in Galaxy's Edge, everyone needs to know that everyone needs to be on the same page. So then there, when you get there, you when they someone gets distracted by the other things, you're like, oh, look, we're doing Galaxy's Edge today or this morning, and then we can get to that other stuff later in the afternoon. I see so many people arguing at the parks because they get sidetracked by everything that's there because they're like, wait a minute, well, are we going to try to do this or or can we build a lightsaber while we're here? Well, if you want to build a Savvy's lightsaber for $200, that really needs to be booked, you know, two months ago. But there's this $30 option that you can do. It's, it's having that information that is key to reducing stress in these moments because... It is so easy to get distracted by all the overstimulation that Disney has that if you don't already have a general idea, even if you have a partner who's like, keep me out of the plans, I don't want to help plan, you know, you plan everything and I'll just be there. It's still important that they have the general idea of the day, know what the focus is, because I'm telling you, when you get into that magical Disney bubble, all of a sudden your eyes, your brain, your senses, everything is overstimulated, and you're like, well, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? And for the person who did not plan the trip and said, I'm just there, all of a sudden all of these opinions come out of why did we do this or why did we do this? So it's important to make that expectation very clear in the beginning this is the plan for today we're not doing this because here's our goals and stick with that plan and make sure everyone knows so that everyone's on the same page Another big one that I typically see at the park is the I don't have an opinion opinion. So again, along with that person who maybe doesn't have the interest in planning the trip and then all of a sudden they get there and they're like, well, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? I also think that needs to be discussed. If you're not going to have any input in the beginning, you need to really make sure that the input is not put in after the fact when the trip is already planned, because one, that is it. It is 
very wearing on the person who took the time to plan everything. And then also it's really taxing on trying to make this day happen when someone is constantly commenting on why we didn't do certain things. So also that discussion needs to be had in the planning stage. And for those who have partners that maybe don't want to be as involved, Try to involve them anyway. Try to say, hey, there's this opportunity. Do you want to do this? If it's a no, just be like, you know, I just want to make sure that you're involved. I know you want me to play a majority of it, but I still want to give you options and let you know everything that Disney has to offer. Because when we get there, we don't want to deviate too much from what we have planned because it may cause stress and we want to have a great time. So it's really important if you are taking the back seat in planning to not all of a sudden interject all your opinions about what we should and shouldn't be doing once you get to the park. I can't tell you how many spouses, partners I see fighting over that once they're at the park. The next big one that I tend to see a lot is pressuring kids onto rides. I am a no pressure person. There is a big difference between encouraging your kid, maybe even coaxing your kid a little bit to get on a ride that you know that they're going to love, but pressuring them to get on bigger coasters that they're not ready for, or even being like, you can ride this, you can have a good time, or making fun of them after they ride it and they don't like it. That is a big issue for me. And I see a lot of fights caused because of this. When kids are ready to get on certain rides, you will know. They will have that, I think I can do it, I want to do it, I'm not sure. That is when you're like, okay, I will encourage you. I will let you know how this ride goes. We can watch a video on it. We can ride it, and then you can be done. My oldest son is not a roller coaster kid. He actually should be a universal kid and over there because he loves the simulators. He loves... um What's the Harry Potter ride where you're on the broomstick? I mean, that is like his thing. He does not like any kind of coasters. And so at Walt Disney World, you basically have the traditional classic rides um, and mostly coasters that aren't that big, you know? So, I mean, they're not that scary. Guardians, I would say, is really fast, but there's no huge drops in it. Um, Rock and Roller Coaster is probably the only one with a big drop goes upside down. So I don't feel like Disney has a lot of coasters that are going to give you a lot of pressure, like the big Universal coasters. But what Universal has is a lot of simulation rides along with their coasters. So, Big Thunder Mountain, he had been eyeing it. He felt like he could do it. He was like, I think I can ride it. I think I can ride it. So, of course, we just encouraged him to ride it. Um, When it came to Everest, that was a no-go, and we just let it go. Our 7-year-old rode it and loved it, but our 10-year-old was like, I don't want to do it. And that, you know, you have to put a boundary on that. Would my husband love to pressure him and be like, come on, you can do it. I know you're going to like it if you try it. I'll say, absolutely, my husband's a coaster person. I love coasters too, but I'm not as fond of them as I get older. I will ride them with my kids when they're ready to ride them. But um, I love Guardians as a coaster, so maybe I am a coaster person. I don't know. But I used to love them a lot more than I do now. But my oldest son does not love them. And so I'm not going to pressure him to continuously ride rides he doesn't love. But when he shows interest in them, I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to watch a YouTube video on it. And I'm going to be like, you'll be okay. I'll ride it with you. It'll be fine. With that said, I think it's really important to have a discussion with the adults going up front 
on what rides we're not going to pressure the kids to go on. I may want to go on Tower Terror, totally fine. I'm not going to push my 10-year-old to go on it if he doesn't want to. If he shows interest and he's just nervous and needs encouragement, totally different. I will encourage him to go on it, make him feel comfortable. He may go on it, absolutely hate it. He won't have to do it again. But I'm not going to have anyone pressure or bully them onto a ride. And that just needs to be set as a precedence with all the adults going on the trip. So this next one is a really big one. This is probably the most frequent thing that happens, and I totally understand it, but we really have to evaluate ourselves as parents or guardians that are taking these kids to Walt Disney World and really understand what we're getting ourselves into. So you're basically going on an adventure for three to seven days however many days you're planning on going on your trip. And the reason why I push rest days so much is because there is no exhaustion like Disney exhaustion. You literally are getting up at 7 a.m. and you're staying at parks until 9 or 10 o'clock. In your head, you're like, that's, I mean, we have that kind of day any day. Anyway, they go to school, they get up early, and they go to school all day, and then we go to bed at 8.30. So, like, what's the difference? The difference is you're walking eight miles a day, and you are constantly stimulated by sound, by smell, by sight, and then, obviously, by eating. I mean, it it is all the senses going all the time, rapid fire that puts you in this magical bubble. It is weird if you've never been before to realize like, okay, this was someone's imagination that they were like, you know, I'm going to build a giant castle with a moat around it, put all these rides, have these entertainment things going on all the time. So you have the Dapper Dance on Main Street. You have Mickey's Friendship Fair going on on the stage. You have the um, Festival of the Fantasy Parade. Then you have two cavalcades that come through. I mean, it is a constant overload of Disney genius all day long. And that is going to zap your brain, and it's definitely going to zap those kids' brains. Then you add on top of it eight miles of walking a day. At the end of the night, it is a different level of exhaustion. And just like at home, parents have a second shift once they get back to the room. Because once you get those kids down for bed and you're planning the next day, you are replugging in fans or repacking park bags or laying out outfits for the next morning. And if you are those people who are like, I still got to get a workout in the morning. I mean, I am, I am hoping and aspiring to be you all in a year, but then you have that. So you are exhausted. So it's going to make it a lot easier for you to snap on those kids when there is some misbehaving. Now I am one of those people and you will see it a lot. If you see me at the park, my husband will get upset at something. and I'll be like, let it go. It's not that big of a deal. They're just being kids. There's this idea that kids have to be perfect in public. And I'm like, that's a kid thing. Just tell them if it's dangerous or they're not allowed to do it. Be like, Hey, you're not supposed to do that. Get down. And if you have to tell them again, just tell them a little bit more firm, but there's no reason to snap. I talked about a situation that happened at Mickey and Minnie's runaway railroad where my daughter pushed her brother but ended up pushing him in the face and causing him to have a nosebleed and my instinct was to snap because that is absolutely not tolerated but I checked myself it was literally 8 p.m at night we had been going all day long and we had park top which you know I I do not like that dreaded park hop so I got down on her level explained to her why what she did was absolutely wrong. And I was very, very firm. It was not one of those, 
oh, they're being kids. Like, just let it go. Guys, get down. I was like, you absolutely do not push your brother under any circumstance. I mean, it was a very serious voice, but I was down on her level, looking at her in the eyes. I gave her affection and love afterwards, and she had enough understanding that when we got off that ride, she knew she needed to apologize to her brother. But what was really amazing is her brother also knew he needed to apologize to her because he knew he was pushing her buttons to the point where she wanted him to leave him alone. So there is no point in snapping at your kids at Disney. If you are snapping, you need to go through my adult tantrums checklist and make sure that you are taking care of yourself because you are probably dehydrated, you're probably hangry, and you're exhausted. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Blast off with Space Vacation the Musical as the Bloom family from the bright yellow planet takes a wild, weird, and wonderful intergalactic summer vacation. With original songs and stellar comedy, their trip goes delightfully haywire. Fun and adventure for all ages. Space Vacation the Musical on all podcast platforms now. Subscribe today. So let's keep going a little bit deeper into the adult snapping. So clearly we have to take care of ourselves too. We have put a lot of time and effort into this trip. We have put a lot of money into this trip and it feels like almost planning like a mini wedding. There aren't very many vacations that I have to plan this intensely and look up every little detail because it's changing so frequently. Even when we go overseas, things aren't changing at the rapid speed that Disney changes. Or isn't some new technology that I need to learn to be able to have a successful Disney trip. So that's the frustrating thing sometimes about Disney is that it's changing constantly. So you have to stay up to date on what the changes are to make sure your trip is successful. So remember as adults, Yes, we focus so much time on making sure our kids are okay that we are taking, but we have to take care of ourselves as well. And for the first time in a long time, this last trip, I felt it that I didn't take care of myself one of the days and I was exhausted. My eyes were bloodshot and I was like, okay, I need to rest tomorrow because I'm exhausted. That's why built-in rest days are important. Taking snacks to the park. I always take like Lara bars because I like the peanut butter ones that give me a little boost um, of energy. So you have to also snack. You need to eat. You need to get rest. You need to stay hydrated. So if you want to prevent an adult from having a tantrum, you need to also do all the same things you're doing in order to prevent your child from having a tantrum. And if you see your partner struggling, or I can tell sometimes my husband's getting hangry and I'm like, okay, we need to get food. We need a mobile order right now. Or even it's those times where it's like, okay, let's ride. It's a small world. And then let's go eat. I literally will set alarms on my phone to make sure that we get that mobile order in. So then by the time we 
get off, it's already available. So the only time you will hear my ringer on my phone is if we are at Disney and I'm setting alarms for Genie Plus or setting alarms to mobile order or when I'm waiting to get dining alerts. I will have a ringtone on my text messages because I need to hear those. So it's important. Turn the phone on, set alarms, make sure you're eating, make sure you're drinking plenty of water and you're staying hydrated and take care of yourself. And then if you feel like you and your spouse are starting to fight a lot or you and your partner, whoever you're with, you know what? It might be time for a timeout. And what I mean by that is sometimes when we are hyper-focused on trips like this, and we are in the moment and we're going and going and going. We forget that we also need to stay connected. That makes the trip more enjoyable for the both of us. So I know you all notice a lot. And I do feel like this is a luxury that we've gotten ever since we've become Disney Vacation Club members. But my husband and I do not hesitate to use Kids Night Out or Orlando um, Twinkle Toes Nanny service because we want that one night out with just the two of us, or we need to take a break and just reconnect so we can enjoy the trip too. I know it's not in everyone's budget. So even if you are just barely getting to Disney, sometimes sitting outside of your room for 10 minutes with the person that you're coming with, just to reconnect, make another game plan, just talk and take a breath, helps you reset. You shouldn't be fighting constantly every day for a trip that one, you spent so much money on to come to. And then two, who you're exhausted. You're exhausted on this trip. So take those five minutes, reconnect, decide what the strategy is for the next day, go over the plans that you've made from all these months of planning, and just reset. That way you can move on and have a better day the next day. So I'm going to talk about one last topic before I wrap up today's podcast. So that's the financial aspect. So Disney is obviously expensive. I am all for trying to get everyone to Disney within your budget. I follow some people and they're like, only stay at deluxe resorts, only do this. I realistically know because there was a time where I couldn't afford to stay at anything. And you know what? Honestly, I can't afford to stay at deluxe resorts now. That one time that I was on the wait list for the Polynesian and I called to book a room and they were like, okay, it's $800. I was like, um, my points need to come through because I can't afford this. So I get it. Like Disney is so expensive and I'm so grateful for Disney Vacation Club and everything it's given us because I know it was an initial investment but it has already paid us back tenfold because we love the deluxe resorts and that is not something that we could afford multiple times a year if we had to pay cash. So that alleviates that. Also, we're lucky for things like undercover tourists where we get discount tickets after our military tickets run out. So we get discounted military tickets first and then we head over to undercover tourists for any tickets that we need after that. So there are ways to cut the budget Um Honestly, I read a book a long time ago by the smart moms person, LJ, and she takes it to, she has a book and I think it's like $70 now or something. She takes it to the point where, I mean, you're going to pay money for that book, but you'll get your investment back in about three weeks and make so much more because she has 
figured out saving money to a T. So if you're someone who feel like Disney is a pipe dream, I highly recommend that book for you. But I digress. Back to the financials. It is an expensive trip and it can be very overwhelming. I know for me personally, that's why I want dining plans to come back. It was a lot, lot less stressful when we didn't have to constantly total up how much every meal was because we already prepaid for that dining plan. So even if we didn't save money on the dining plan, it always felt like we did because it was prepaid. We got to Disney and we didn't have to worry about paying more cash out once we got there. But just be really mindful of how actually spending all that money that you have saved will make you feel. Yes, the room is usually done and taken care of, so that's something that's taken away. But right now where you don't have meal plans, if using gift cards is a better way for you to handle it because it's all in a gift card. It's meant for Disney. You're not going to be constantly looking at your bank account and seeing it go down. Figure out whatever you need to do to help with the stress, the financial stress of Disney, because sometimes that brings out the beast in us too. When we feel like, oh my gosh, we're spending so much money. Did we really prepare for this? I didn't realize that I was actually going to spend a hundred dollars per person a day on food. If I was not going to bring in any snacks or water or anything. I mean, those waters at the park, you know, that are $4 really hit different. So bring a refillable water bottle because you can always ask for a free cup of ice. So it's those little things like really being financially prepared. So that way there's no fighting around that. There's no stress around that. And when someone tells you this is realistically what it costs, listen, because if that is something that's out of your budget, you need to reevaluate and look, okay, well, how can I reduce that cost? When we were first taking our son to Disney, we were doing things like packing lunches and taking coolers to the parks. We would never eat park food just for lunch or randomly, and we were not getting all the treats and Mickey ice cream because we were newlyweds. We had this baby really quickly after we got married and we were doing it on shoestring budgets. So we were like, okay, I want to go to Disney, but my parents aren't paying for it anymore. And even, you know, I take that back. My dad actually did pay for Disneyland when you're with my son. So, you know, I'm grateful now we're at a place where we can do it more frequently and we can afford it. But there was a time when it was like, we need a pack food. We aren't buying souvenirs. Let's just go to the park and do these specific things. So really look over the finances. Be realistic, especially right now where there's no dining plans to kind of offset already prepaying for those meals at Disney. Know what you're going to spend on souvenirs. And then on top of all of that, add a 10% buffer. I always, even now, even with the frequent trips, and we say, okay, we're not doing this, guys. Our kids know, don't even ask for souvenirs at the park. If you saw me, I brought in my own bubble ones because I got them for $16 off of Shop Disney and they're $30 at the park. I do not play with souvenirs. It if my kids are getting souvenirs, like when we went to the Droid Depot this last trip, that is planned. They have an idea that we're doing it, but I don't even really tell them until that day. And I'm like, we're going to the Droid Depot, guys. And even 
with the Joy Depot. I get there. I know exactly how much it's going to cost for each of them. And then they're like, well, if you want the backpack and the personality chip, it's an extra $79, but then you don't have to carry the box the whole day. And I'm like, see, this is why you need that 10% buffer in there because then your kid's looking at you with their eyes blinking up going, we can get the backpack and the personality chip, right? And you're like, okay, I didn't plan for this, but you end up doing it anyway. So that's why you always need that 10% buffer because you just never know. You go into Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique being like, I am sticking with the basic package and then you leave with the middle tier. So it's all those little things that you get caught up in that, you know, Disney magic and the emotion of being there that you want to make sure that if you want to buy the Mickey ice cream, you can buy the Mickey ice cream. And that comes from being realistic and also looking for discounts because there are discounts everywhere with Disney. I know I don't talk a lot about that and I will dive into that more as I continue this journey of blogging and podcasting, but there are a lot of discounts that can help you get to Disney a little bit cheaper. All right. Well, I am so glad that you joined me today for another podcast from Well Hello Disney. Hopefully this one will help you prepare for some of those conflicts that do come up at the park and you can kind of figure out ways now to resolve them. Once again, I am so glad that you're here and we will definitely see you real soon.